Hi there, Coach Alex here from A-Team Fitness. Thanks for listening as I share incredible transformation stories directly from the source themselves, the individuals doing the work and seeing the results. We'll take a behind the curtain peek at the mental and physical changes that make for amazing transformations. I'm glad you're here. And after the episode, I hope you feel empowered to begin making some transformative changes of your own. Let's dive in. Today we're talking about the Food Freedom Framework. I'm going to try to say that as many times as I can today. See how many times I messed that up. I'm a big fan of alliteration, which you'll come to learn. Food Freedom Framework. Now, the main thing that I think a lot of us are drawn to this presentation for is probably that word right there, the freedom part. Because a lot of us, if we're trying to manage our weight or we're trying to fine-tune our nutrition, have found that it's really hard, right? There's a lot of options out there, not only in terms of dieting information, what's the best diet to follow for a certain goal, what's the best foods to eat for good health. I'm eating all the good foods, but I still can't see the changes that I want to see. What gives, right? Society today, as we all know, is kind of set up to make us fail at this because there's just good food everywhere in abundance. We can literally get any food we want at any time from any location without doing anything more than just swiping our phone. And that makes it tough, right? Because food feels good. It's pleasurable. Quick hit. So we're going to help you guys get a little bit more food freedom so we can achieve all the goals that we may want, whether it's low sodium, whether it's weight loss, whether it's muscle gain, while still also enjoying the things that you like, because that's also pretty important, right? However, Food freedom does not mean it's a free-for-all, right? We're not going to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however much of it that we want. That's kind of important to recognize. There is a lot of flexibility built into this, but there's also a little bit of mindfulness that we have to keep to. But that's actually a good thing, because the more that you master that mindfulness, the more that you're going to be able to relax about it all, right? So what I'm going to show you is not a diet plan, it is a framework. It's a conceptualization, a way to think about your nutrition so that you can identify what matters and when it matters. The good thing about that is as life circumstances change, right? When you're at home in your tightly controlled environment, you're making all of your own food, work's going well, there's no surprises, you'll be able to move up higher in this framework, do more of the things to optimize what you're doing. But as life gets chaotic, which it always does, Right? The surprises pop up. Suddenly we're stressed. Suddenly we're dealing with a lot. We have no more time. We'll be able to revert back down so that we're still managing what we can and we're still seeing the changes that we want, putting less effort into it. Okay? Now I'm going to do my very best to try to draw this on this whiteboard <laughs> without it looking terrible. Okay? running out of space already, but we're going to make it work. All right. I already failed because I didn't give myself enough space. But, so what we're looking at here is a hierarchy of sorts. You can think of it like a pyramid. You can think of it like a set of stairs. Whatever you want to conceptualize it. 
each one of these levels indicates something different about our nutrition. Starting with what's most important here at the bottom. I will write in what all this is here in a sec. Starting at the bottom with the most important. Next, next, next. So as we go up these three phases, our first one is probably going to be no surprise to anyone who spent any amount of time trying to control their eating is our calories, right? I see a lot of smirks because we know we can't get away from it. They matter. They matter a lot, right? But that's actually really good news is that's at the bottom because it's actually the easiest one to manage out of everything else, right? Our next level is going to be protein. How many of us are familiar with the macronutrients? Yeah, more or less. We at least know what they are. Protein, carbs, fats are three main nutrients. All serve an important purpose in the body, right? There's a lot of confusion about what all those mean, how much of those we need, what's good, what's bad, all of that. We're going to help clarify some of that today. So our second level is going to be protein, one of those three macronutrients. Our next level is going to be the rest of those macronutrients. I know my handwriting looks like a second grader. So our third level is going to be the rest of those macronutrients, the carbohydrates and the fats. And what I mean by that is the distribution of our total calories. Each of these contain calories. Them three combined are going to make up the total calories that we consume on a daily basis. Right? So we can think of these four things interchangeably as a puzzle. Right? The calories are going to set the corner pieces. That contains everything else that goes within it. And then how we put the three of these together is just different ways to put that puzzle together. Okay. Now our goals will influence how that puzzle goes together a little bit. Our preferences will influence how that puzzle goes together a little bit, which we'll talk about. This fourth level up here, now we're talking about what most people think about when they think about healthy eating, which is our food quality. How healthy something is. A lot of us probably expect that to be way down here. But it's not. It's way up here. It matters. It does matter, and we'll talk about why here in a sec. But it probably matters a little less than we think. And more so, what happens is we tend to put a lot of emphasis on this while ignoring this. And that gets us into trouble. Because then not only are we not eating the things we actually want to eat, but it's not working. What's worse than that? Right? And then our very last one here is going to be our meal timing. So this is our meal timing when throughout the day we're eating in terms of morning, afternoon, night. It could also mean the frequency with which we're eating, how often throughout the day we're eating, how many meals. All of that has a little bit when we're eating some of these nutrients around particular events in our life, which we'll get into. But this is the food freedom framework. Right now, very important to consider about this. Each of these, like we said, during good times, we might be able to check all of these boxes. We're doing everything for our goals and we'll get into details. But when life gets stressful, if we're starting up here, suddenly maintaining that feels like a lot of effort when we have a lot of other things going on. So we can very easily start to ignore some of these details, focus on the main things and still see progress, or at the very least maintain where we're at in that moment. Okay? Now, I tried to draw this to scale, but you can see that these first two layers, protein and calories, size-wise, 
are much larger in comparison to these top three. Anyone want to guess why that is? It's because these two elements alone are going to account for the majority of your success in controlling your body weight. If you did just these two things, if you made sure that you had a calorie goal that was appropriate for you and you followed it, you didn't go above it, and if you made sure to get enough protein every single day, you wouldn't have to worry about anything else. Sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> suddenly we're getting rid of all the confusion out there. Now it suddenly makes sense. Now that's also easier said than done, right? Because we do still have to manage our calories and make sure we're not going over. As many of us in this room probably know, getting enough protein can also be very challenging. It doesn't really come naturally to us. But these two things make up the majority of our success. Now, one other caveat to this framework. This order and the importance that we place in each level is really for otherwise healthy individuals. Now, there are medical conditions that might rearrange the order of importance of some of these things. And most obvious one is something like diabetes. Diabetes, the meal timing and how much sugar we're eating is going to become more important than it would be in someone who doesn't have that condition. Okay? Food allergies, autoimmune diseases, celiac disease, whatever, food quality is going to become a little bit more important because now some of that other processed stuff can actually have real-life complications and symptoms that we don't want to have to experience. Okay, so that is one thing to keep in mind. There are medical conditions that will rearrange this a little bit. But barring all of that, this is, this is what it is. Okay? Now, the most important part of this is the calories. How many of us have ever tracked our calories before? A lot of us. Okay. A lot of us. We like it. We like it. We like it. I'm just scrolling through my notes here. Make sure we're... Calories. Have we ever tracked our calories? So if we've tracked our eating, in a manner of speaking, we kind of track our calories. But like specifically looking at the numbers. The cool thing about this... My favorite part. Every single diet you've ever heard of can be explained with this framework. So throw me a diet, any diet. Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers. Okay. So every diet is going to take one of these elements and it's going to try to use something to manage this. Weight Watchers is an interesting one because Weight Watchers manages calories by simplifying calories. Right? So a lot of people don't, when we talk about calories, we're talking bigger numbers, 1,200, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500. Right? We're talking hundreds, thousands. Weight Watchers simplifies all of that to make it points, right? Now, if you're eating, just as an example, to keep the math simple, 2,500 calories in a day, you might get 25 points for a day, right? And they have their entire system is individuals taking the real calories of foods and converting it to their point system so that now you can work in smaller numbers. But it still attempts to manage calories, okay? Give me another one, any diet. Keto, popular one. I was going to be surprised if we didn't get there. All right, so just very briefly, what, is the, what are the tenets of keto? Low carb, high protein, lots of fat. So now we are trying to manipulate these things to control that. Give me another one, anything. 
Anything we think of? Paleo. Paleo. Beautiful. So, core tenets of paleo. I actually don't know. Eat like our Paleolithic ancestors. Nothing pre-agriculture. No grains, nothing processed, right? So we are trying to control food quality to manage our calories. Dash diet. Dash diet is very similar. We're kind of in this food quality area. And that's the other thing about diets, too, when we start to look at them. There's a lot that are very just rebranded versions, right? So dash diet is very similar. It tries to control food quality in just slightly different ways to help control our calories. Intermittent fasting. We're controlling our meal timing to help manage our calories, right? So that's the challenge with these diets is they're not giving you the complete picture. They're boxing you into, we're gonna focus on something very, in the grand scheme of things, very minute, a very detailed aspect of this process. We're gonna make it seem like the most important thing and then in secret, what we're actually doing is we're helping you control your calories. So we're just gonna help you do the thing you already have to do, but we're gonna make it slightly more difficult. Right? Give you less flexibility to do it because you don't understand that that's what's happening. Right? So as long as we have this, we can ignore all of the other diets. Because any diet that we'll ever come across will try to manipulate one of these four things to control our calories. So we can just do it ourselves. We can just learn how to control the calories. Then we get to eat what we want to eat. We don't have to have a diet telling us. Sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? because I like my ice cream. <laughs> Won't apologize for it either. <laughs> Jeez, Ann. Let's call me out for it. All right, but let's talk more about calories. How are we going to determine our calorie goal? So, like I mentioned, when, when we were just getting started before some of us uh, came in today, I am going to email everyone a recording of this. In that, there's going to be a link. Originally, I was going to plan to write it on this whiteboard, but I think I'm going to destroy that. Okay? But it's 18fit.com slash daily dash calorie dash goal. Again, it will be in the email that I send you. Okay? So as long as we registered for this event and I have your email on file, I will send this link to you. Okay? But in that is going to be a calorie calculator. So we can plug in some, some uh, information about us, our height, our weight, what our goal is, what our activity levels are, and it's going to spit out a number that's going to be a rough estimated calorie goal. Something to keep in mind about calorie goals, they are dynamic, they are fluid, they are not set in stone. Okay? I had a business coach that used to love saying you always have to guess, test, and reassess. Full circle. <laughs> so when we set that calorie goal into that calculator, it's going to spit out a number. Now that number is our first best guess for you. Now, the important part is managing that number, eating within that number. What I like to tell people is plus or minus 50 calories either direction, right? We like ranges. We don't like hard specifics. Plus or minus 50 calories of that calorie goal. Do it for two weeks. Are you seeing the change that you want? Obviously, if you want to lose weight, it's going to be lower. If you want to gain weight, gain muscle, it's going to be a little bit higher. If you want to maintain, it's going to sit somewhere in between those two numbers. But we do it for two weeks and we see what happens. Right? That's the testing part. Are we seeing the change that we want to see? And are we actually sticking to that calorie goal? Right? So we were talking about food logs before we got started. One of the best tools, in my opinion, for managing our calories. If we don't track it, we won't manage it. Just like a budget. 
right? If we don't know how much money we're spending, we can't change that. Or we won't change that. So by keeping a food log, and there's tons of ways you can do this. There's lots of apps that we were talking about earlier. My Fitness Pal is a popular one. Macrofactor is the one that I had mentioned. There's Lose It. There's a million of them. Um, you could do what we were doing pre-2010, which was old school, notepad and paper. Write down what you're doing. Google it afterwards. Lots of ways that you can go about it. But we have to test that number. Guess, test, and reassess. Are we seeing the changes we want? If no and we're actually sticking to the goal, very important, then we change it. Are we not losing weight? Maybe that number's a little too high given our activity level, we're gonna drop it down a little bit within reason. Okay, are we losing weight too fast? We're hungry all the time, we're tired, we're just melting away. Let's bump it up a little bit, right? But one of the big, uh, things that people will do is they will drop their calories very dramatically very early because we want the changes fast. We want them right now. And so if we have to eat less in order to see those changes, if we eat even less, it'll happen faster until we're miserable. And then the most common things that I see with people who drop their calories too fast is they will not see any change at all. They will not lose any weight and they'll think they're broken. When in reality, they're starving themselves all day and then nighttime comes around. When we're tired, we're stressed, willpower is all but gone. Those calories have a way of making their way back in. Right? So if we needlessly starve ourselves, that can backfire on us later because we'll overeat later in the day and we'll also give ourselves permission to, right? Because we haven't eaten all day. We have so there's no way I can go over. And then we do. And we do it every day, and then nothing changes. Right? But I did get a little ahead of myself. So how many of us are familiar with calories with regard to weight loss and gain and how the whole process works? A lot of us. Okay. But for myself, for a refresher, we're going to go over again. The, the most basic thing with calories, calories, of course, is a unit of energy. This is the energy that allows us to do all of the things that we're doing for me to hear, to fidget with you, to speak, to talk, to move around, for you to have gotten here this morning, to exercise all the energy we do. Okay? We eat food, we eat calories to resupply that energy. Right? The food we put in is like putting the gas pump in our car, filling it with fuel. It smells a lot better than gasoline. Most of the time. You guys haven't tried my cooking. But, I don't mean to do math here. I was a psych degree for a reason. If we are consuming, CO, greater, that looks like a seven, don't judge me, <laughs> then we are burning, we will gain weight, weight gain, right? So if that leads to weight gain, then what does that mean? <laughs> if we're consuming less than we're burning, we get weight loss. Seemed redundant to write it all out again. And if they're the same, then we maintain our weight, weight maintenance. 
okay? This is the most important thing that we have to understand about calories. And since calories are the most important thing we have to understand about this entire process via the transitive property, this is the most important thing for us to think about today. I'm pretty sure it was not the transitive property. Psych major for a reason, Ann. There we go. Whichever one that one was. Okay. So everything we do, all of this is just meant to support us strategically to manage that. Does that make sense? I also forgot to mention too, if we have questions about anything as we're going, feel free to shout them out. Yes, please. What if you want to do both? That is a fantastic question. So this is going to be dependent on a couple of outside variables. One is how long we've been training for. Okay, if we're new to resistance training, chances are, I lost my weight loss, but if we're doing the weight loss, if we're consuming less than we're burning, and we're new to strength training, and we are actively strength training, we will do both at the same time. Where it gets tricky is the length of time that we've actually been training. The more advanced we get, the harder that becomes, right? And so then at that point, we do have to choose. This is why you get the typical, I'm gonna use the phrase, I don't like using the cutting, bulking phases, right? Some of us have heard that. Bulking is just, we're purposely trying to gain weight to build muscle, but we'll also inevitably build a little bit of fat, and then we go through phases of weight loss, cutting, to trim the body fat without losing the muscle, ideally. Right, it's very bodybuilder-esque. It's very kind of standard. That's what people will do, right? Traditionally, the winter is bulking season, right? We get a little, you know, holidays, we enjoy ourselves a little bit. And then summertime's the cutting season because people want to be out in the sun and et cetera, right? Um, but for most people who have been training less than five years, you probably don't have to worry about it. If you are strength training and you are getting enough protein, which we'll talk about here in a moment, and we're managing our calories in order to lose weight at a manageable level, What's manageable? I like to recommend between one to two pounds a week taps. Okay, because we're playing the long game. We lose it fast, it means it's gonna come back fast. Right? So if we've been training less than five years, typically we don't have to worry about it. We will get stronger, we will build muscle while we're losing some of that body fat. If we've been training longer than five years pretty seriously, then we might wanna start to consider, okay, are we just like keeping ourselves stagnant in this? dance back and forth? Do we need to just pick one? Right? Now, if you happen to be in that situation, what I would personally recommend is you start with getting rid of the excess of body fat you don't want first, and then focus on primarily building muscle. Why? Because if you get rid of the fat first, the muscle building will be so much more fun. Right? We get to eat a little more. Well, because you're, if you're purposely gaining weight in the form of gaining muscle, you get to, you're going to eat, be eating a little more. Okay? And if you're constantly worried about the extra body fat you have, that's just going to eat away at you mentally. Right? So what happens often and when people are trying to build muscle, now we're talking about muscle. <laughs> when people are trying to build muscle, but they also don't feel great about how much body fat they have, they will not eat enough to build muscle. And so now they're sabotaging their progress in the gym because of how they feel about how much extra weight that they have. So if we get rid of that first, people will relax a little bit. 
All right, we're here to party now. We're going to have a good time. Right? That's the fun part of fitness. Make sense? Other questions before we jump to protein? Cool. I should probably clean some of this, huh? So protein is our second level. How many of us uh, struggle to get enough protein every day? Good number of us. Good number of us. How many of us even think about how much protein we eat on a given basis? Even more of us. Okay. All right. All right. All right. A couple of things about protein. First of all, what is protein? Protein. Protein is the building block for our muscles. So we need enough of it, especially if we're trying to build muscle, especially if we're weight training in the gym. Right? The analogy I like to use, suitable for our, my drawing here, protein are like the Lego blocks that we use to build our tower. If we don't have any blocks, we can't build a higher tower. When we're in the gym, we're building the tower. So if we're in the gym without enough blocks, we're just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. Right? So we need to make sure we're getting enough protein. Uh, so that we can support that muscle growth. Now, here's the, here's the deal though. Even if we're not trying to actively build more muscle, we don't care how much muscle mass we have, we feel strong enough, not concerned whatsoever. We still wanna make sure we're getting enough protein. Because here's that old adage, if you don't use it, you lose it. So if we are not strength training in some capacity, we're not using those muscles, and we're not making sure we supply with the building blocks to preserve that muscle mass, they will go away over time. And the older we get, faster they go. And that ain't fun. That ain't fun, okay? So we need to be eating enough protein. Now, protein is one of those things where it's impossible to get enough by accident. We're not just going to accidentally find ourselves in the cupboard eating protein bars. <laughs> there won't be lines of protein powder on the coffee table. <laughs> I'm glad we laughed. I wasn't sure if that one was going to land. <laughs> so we're going to have to put more effort into our protein. We're going to have to focus on it more. We're going to have to be more attentive to how we are getting that protein. Now, how do we figure out how much protein we need? We obviously know that we have a certain number of calories we have to eat via that calculator that we're going to use, and then we're going to guess, test, and reassess. I hate myself. Guess, test, reassess. Jesus. But, like we said, I mentioned way, way, way back when, is all of our nutrients, all of our nutrients are going to make up our calories. How do we figure out what that is? All right, we're going to talk about it. Hope everyone can read this. Protein has four calories per gram. So when we're looking at the back of a nutrition label, say a protein bar, for example, and it says there's 20 grams of protein, that means 80 of the calories in that bar come from the protein. Okay, so there's four calories per gram. Now, when we have a calorie goal, there's a certain amount of that that needs to come from our protein. The most recognized and usable among coaches to figure out how much protein to eat is one gram per pound of body weight. I don't particularly like that. And I'll tell you why. It misses a little bit. I've worked with a lot of different people. If someone's 100 pounds overweight, they just need to needlessly eat 100 extra grams of protein. RIP to their digestive system, right? 
So it doesn't quite capture it. One ground per pound of body weight. So I like to use two different things to create a range for ourselves. The first is we're going to go one gram per pound of our ideal body weight. Okay. So if we're, just to keep the math simple, if we're 200 pounds and we want to be 150, we have to lose 50 pounds, we're not going to aim for 200 grams of protein, we're going to aim for 150. I got to ask you a question. Hit um, me, sir. I mean, I'm right there with you, right? It's like, I hear a lot of people say you should be having one gram of protein for um, basically your body weight. And I always, even before I knew fitness, I was like, it should be for lean body weight. Why do you think that shift hasn't really been updated? I mean, I still hear it. It's very frustrating to me. Yeah, so, yeah, so Louise's question was, you know, because uh, he too obviously hears a lot that it's one gram per pound of body weight, but he always thought per lean how much muscle you actually have on you, right? And why hasn't that been more widely adapted? I think it's for two reasons. One, I think one gram per pound of body weight is just simpler for people to recognize and think about. A lot of people don't have conceptualizations of what their lean body mass is, per se. But we all know how much we weigh, right? So I think it's just easier for people to conceptualize that. And then because people don't necessarily aren't aware of how much lean body mass they have, I think it just doesn't register, you know? Um, and that's even why I choose ideal body weight and not lean body mass, because even ideal body weight's easier for people to conceptualize. Right? But, again, I said early on, we like ranges. Right? So ideally, we're going to do one gram per pound, equations and shit, one gram per pound of our ideal body weight. That's going to set one of the numbers of our range. The other one I like to use, which we'll definitely talk about in more detail when we get to the carbs and the fats, is 30%. of our total calories, 30% of our total calories, right? There's different macro distributions. Again, we'll talk about in detail with regards to carbs and fats as well to see the full picture. But I generally recommend people aim for about 30% of their calories from protein. This is true if you're trying to build muscle. This is true if you're trying to lose fat. This is true if you're maintaining your weight. Why? One of the other benefits from protein other than building lean and preserving lean tissue is that it helps us feel full. Right? Those of us who have ever eaten a large amount of protein, we have no problem pushing the plate away after that. Right? And if we have to manage our calories and we're trying to lose weight, chances are we have to eat less than what we've become accustomed to eating, and that ain't always fun. So if we can try to avoid being hungry as much as possible, it means we can be more consistent with it. Good question. Are we also dairy-free? Okay. Eggs, fantastic. Particularly egg whites. Uh, Greek yogurt's one of my personal faves. A little parfait, a little something, something. Uh, Cottage cheese is another good example. But there's a lot of vegetable-based proteins, too. So you can certainly get enough protein. It is, as a vegetarian or as a vegan, it is possible to get enough protein. But it is more difficult. We have to be more mindful about it. I don't want to say it's more difficult, because once we have our, our process down and we have our plan in place. But there are a ton of um, 
uh, plant-based proteins, especially now in the market, there's like specifically made high-protein vegetarian vegan foods. You got the tempeh patties, you got the soy things, you got the, um, even now there's, there's a, uh, yeah, you got the Beyond Meats, but there's like a, um, there's like a, Kroger has it. It's like their milk alternative. It's like Carmaster milk, has anyone heard of that? Yeah, so, so that's lactose-free. It's got 10 grams of protein per cup, 60 calories. And they have yogurts and things. And they, ha and they have and things. So, but my top recommendations if we're a vegetarian would be eggs, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese. Keep it real simple. But also, if we struggle to get protein, this is a good point. One of the only supplements I will ever recommend to people is a protein supplement because it makes life so much easier. And there's tons of great plant-based ones. There's tons of great lactose-free ones. There's obviously, of course, whey protein, which is just the standard. But if it makes our life a little easier to get enough protein, worth it. Worth it. Any other questions about protein? Like yeah, yeah, hit me, Louise. Um, so I know I ran into this um, issue when I first started out, and I'm still somewhat having a hard time understanding when it comes to the protein parts. You know, when I hear you say, um, just drinking protein shakes to make it easier, my mind goes to, why don't I just get all my calories made for protein shakes? It's a lot easier than sitting down and eating a chicken breast um, a lot easier than sitting down eating, you know, cooking the eggs and then eating the eggs. Um, how would you explain the benefits of having, well, I guess we're moving into that a little bit later, but, you know, a well-diverse uh, source of protein versus just like protein shakes. So a lot of people will tend to just go either for just protein shakes or protein bar because it's easier. Yeah, I hear you. I've been guilty of this too. I'm sure many of us have. So there's two things I would say to that. One, you kind of alluded to with the food quality, is there are other variables that we will factor in that de decide what we eat. One of which is how do we actually feel? And if we're consuming all of our protein and a lot of our calories from supplemental sources, powders, bars, etc., we ain't gonna be feeling that great. We're gonna feel lower energy than if we were eating other things, the fruits, the vegetables, the grains, the other carb sources, right? The healthy fats. We are going to feel less energetic. Why, why are we going to be feeling less energetic? Because it's going to be lacking. If we're consuming all of the things that we need from protein, we're not going to have the fiber that we need. We're not going to have the, the, the micronutrients, so the vitamins and minerals. Sometimes they're fortified, but not always. All the other stuff that goes into oh, we're very complex beings. We have a lot inside. Osmosis Jones is working very hard. In here, okay? And so we're going to be missing a lot of those micronutrients from a lot of those supplements. Okay? Um, so how we feel is going to factor into that. The other part of this, of course, is it's related to how we feel. When we're consuming powders, especially anything in liquid form, right, it digests much more rapidly because part of the digestion process is already done. What that also means is it's going to empty out of our stomach quicker, which can sometimes be good if we're going to have it like before a workout. We don't want it sloshing around. That's important. Right? But it also risks us being more hungry throughout the day, not only because we're missing those micronutrients and the other things that our body's craving, but also because it's just digesting so fast. It's like, did we actually consume anything? Yeah. Does that help answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, now, 
Does anyone happen to have a calculator handy? We'll do a little. Okay, I'm gonna have someone pull out a phone. We can all pull out our phone. Doesn't matter. We're gonna we're gonna run through this with an example real quick. So we'll just use a 200 pound uh, individual. We're gonna use a 200 pound individual that wants to be 150 pounds just to keep the math simple, right? So for our this, this would be 150 grams, right? Because our ideal body weight is 150 pounds. Now, let's say someone who's 200 pounds wants to weigh 150, maybe they're working out three days a week. Again, I'm making all these numbers up just for math purposes. We're gonna say they're eating 1,800 calories a day to lose a pound a week, okay? So with anyone with a calculator, do me a favor. If we want 30% of our protein coming from calories, I want us to multiply 0.3 by 1,800. What was it? 540. 540. Now, all right, so 540 is our total calories. Of our 18, 540 calories are going to come from protein. Now divide that number by four. 135. So now our range of protein is going to be between 135 and 150 grams. If we're in that window, we're good. This is for anything. So this thing is for anything. So the, I will say, the, the, when we're tweaking some of this, unless it's like performance-based, we have a sport we're trying to perform for, or a specific race, some sort of physical endeavor. The only thing that's gonna change with regard to whether we're losing weight, gaining weight, or maintaining our weight is what this number is. How much protein we get, again, based on our ideal body weight and our total calories, will automatically adjust based on what this number is. Because we can't go over this number, the amount of carbs and fats that we eat, regardless of the distribution between the two, is going to adjust based on this number adjusting. Okay? So everything is based on this. And our goals determine what this is. Loss, gain, or the same. Okay? Obviously, there's a little more nuance to those three goals. If we're performing for an athletic event, we may not be trying to lose weight. We may be trying to maintain our weight, but focus on our actual performance. And then the timing of some things and the quality and all this comes into play a little bit. Right? But in terms of changing our body weight or lack thereof, calories are king. Queen and jester. Okay? So that's how we can figure out our protein goal, one gram per pound of our ideal body weight. And that's true, again, even if we don't want to change our weight, we're good where we're at. Our ideal body weight is what we weigh, okay? And then 30% of our total calories gives us our range, okay? And it will, on average, be anywhere between 15 and 25 grams difference between the two. So it gives you a little bit of wiggle room, right? That's like the difference of a serving of chicken breast, for example. Right? So not a huge range, but it gives us something to strive for. And more importantly about the ranges is it means that we don't have to put the pressure of being perfect. Because that's the hard part with these hard targets. If we miss it, and I've seen it, if we have a specific number, we're trying to hit 150 grams, and we get 148, <laughs> damn it. That day was a waste. Right? Other questions on protein? Cool. Now, we're getting to, now we're getting into the details, right? Because remember, most of our success in terms of managing our body weight, if we're an otherwise healthy individual, 
is based on those two things. Are we getting enough protein and are we not going over our calorie goal? Right? But we're doing those things and we're rocking it. We're feeling good. We're getting protein in. So now we're going to look at our carbs and fats. Now this is one where there's a lot of misconceptions because carbs, people see the word carbs and they get a little uncomfortable. But simultaneously also kind of a little smile on their face because they're thinking about all the things. Right? Maybe we're uncomfortable with how much we're smiling at those things. Who knows? Right? But our distribution of carbs and fats. Now these things are going to make up the remainder of our calories. Here's the secret to the difference between carbs and fats. First and foremost, carbs in and of themselves will not lead to any sort of weight gain. As long as we're not going over this. Right? Here's why carbs get a bad rap, in my opinion, and from what I've observed. A couple of components of carbohydrates, or qualities, characteristics, if you will. One, they're delicious. <laughs> but also, two, they are less filling than both protein and fats. Delicious, not filling, and easily accessible. Most of the things that we grab when we're just running from place to place are high carbs. Right? Because carbs are also cheap. Well, so they usually, so we'll, we'll talk about that here in a moment, specifically with relation to the other things. But the reason that it may seem that way is because carbohydrates, because they're delicious, because they're accessible, because they're not filling, it's easy to overeat them. We can keep going. Right? No one overdoes it on the chicken breast. <laughs> Give yourself a bag of chips. Give yourself a bag of chips, you might be in trouble, yeah. right? So because of that, what people are fearing when it comes to the carbohydrates is the fact that they're not realizing they're eating far more than they should and it's throwing this off. But if we understand that, that's good because that means we can start enjoying these things again yeah. while controlling this and then we get to have our cake and eat it too, yeah. quite literally, okay? Um, so, with carbs and fats, thing to recognize about this. Let me erase something. Questions while I'm writing this on the board? Anything? Thoughts? Concerns? Happenings? <laughs> Things of interest. Good question. So what, sh what you're saying is you're still slightly under your calories. You've accomplished this. This box is checked. But your distribution between these two is fats is a little high. Okay. Now, something important to recognize about the difference, how much, what's going to dictate how much of this you eat and what's going to dictate how much of this you eat, barring we're controlling our calories and we're not preparing for any sort of specific athletic event. How much of one or the other you eat is entirely preferential. It's entirely up to you. There are some considerations when it comes to like your workouts. Obviously, because we know carbs are our main source of energy. Our bodies run on glucose, which is sugar, which is what carbs and fats and proteins sometimes all get broken down into. Right? So that's the interesting when we try to avoid sugar. Obviously, we try to avoid sugar because what we're really avoiding is the desserty, highly palatable foods that cause us to overeat. 
But it's not the sugar itself that we're fearing. It's the overconsumption because all the food we eat gets broken down into sugar, no matter what form it's in. It's a process called gluconeogenesis, which is taking something that's not glucose and turning it into glucose, like magic, fairy dust. Right? So to answer your question, if we are within our calories, we've hit our protein, and our fats are a little over, as long as you're okay with that, it doesn't matter. Right? Because we can decide. And this too, the interesting thing about this that I like to tell people is this can be fluid, the difference between how much carbs you eat and how much fats you eat. So some days, maybe you know it's going to be a high-fat day because of a meal. Maybe you're going out to eat. It's going to be a high-fat meal. You know that, right? So you make sure that your calories are controlled for, you're tracking, you're being diligent, you're being mindful of your portions. Maybe you front load your protein earlier in the day so you know you've hit that goal. Now it's okay if the majority of the rest of your calories come from fats. Okay? And this can change on a daily basis too. It's okay. We're not breaking any rules by that. The only rule we can break is over-consuming or under-consuming in some cases. Okay? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Cool. All right. So, carbohydrates. We talked about protein having four calories per gram. Carbohydrates also have four calories per gram. That's exciting. It means we get to eat a little bit more of it. Fats, however, have more than double that, nine calories per gram nine calories per gram. The example I like to use to illustrate this point, the difference between especially fats and carbs, is if you take an orange and an avocado. About the same size, about the same amount of food. The orange is about 80 calories. It's almost all carbohydrates. The avocado is 250 calories because it's got a lot of fat in it. Same size, which this gets people into trouble. Quantity of food and caloric density are not always proportional. You can have a very tiny amount of food that's a lot of calories. But because we're not eating a lot of food, we feel like, I can't be that much. Right? I know we're all guilty of lying to ourselves in that regard. Right? But our, our carbohydrates are four calories per gram. Our fats are nine calories per gram. This is important to understand, uh, especially with the previous question, if we're over our fats. The amount we eat of each of these obviously is dictated by staying within our calories, and this is how we can figure that out. So if we're gonna go a higher fat diet, maybe we just feel better that way. I know some people who do, that's cool, right? Maybe we feel better on a higher fat diet, that does mean we're gonna be eating less quantity of food. Okay, carbohydrates, because it is lower calories for the same amount, means we're gonna get a more volume of food. So typically what this looks like is no one really goes one extreme or the other. We like to find a good balance, right? Because there's important parts to all of this. Carbs are our main source of energy. We've already talked about that. They're also our favorite. Fats are important for a lot of functions too. Important for hormone production, right? Important for insulating our bodies, especially in the Michigan winters. We need that. They also add flavor to things. They're also quite delicious, right? So it's usually a balance of the two, but the specific difference is entirely dependent mostly on preference, unless there's a specific athletic event that you're trying to accomplish, right? So an example, one of the populations of people that I coach are competitive ballroom dancers, okay? It is very physically grueling. 
So we put a higher importance on carbohydrates, especially around those competitions and those practices, to make sure they have the energy to actually perform at that high of an intensity. Okay. So that's an example of when we might prefer a higher carb diet over a higher fat one. But barring athletic activities, preferential. Again, given that we don't have any medical conditions that we have to be aware of. Right? If we're just pumping our body with carbohydrates and we're diabetic, probably not the best idea. Okay, we probably want to balance that out a little bit. Okay. Now, the distribution of calories, or uh, we're talking about all of our macronutrients now. So if we're talking about our total calories, I'm going to try not to... This is not to scale, clearly. Now, remember our previous, my, my least favorite, favorite phrase to say, guess, test, and reassess. What I recommend people start off in terms of a macro distribution. We're looking at this pie chart as our total calories. Where I like to start people, it's a good middle ground, especially if we're active in the gym or outside of the gym. We're, we have some sort of physical activity we're engaging in. As we start with 30% of our calories coming from protein, hey, that looks familiar. We talked about protein, right? And then in terms of the distribution of carbs and fats, I like to go 40% carbohydrates and 30% fats. It's a good balance of the two. Right? We get to eat a little bit of pasta and we get to put a little cheese on top. Right? Now this, again, is dynamic, just like our calorie goal. Depending on our goals, depending on what we see when we're testing it and we're actually carrying it out, we might change this a little bit. Some of my dancers, we're going more 50, 55% carbohydrates. If we're not that active, and maybe this is true, this can change on a weekly, daily basis as well. If there's a week where you know you're just strapped at work, you're stuck in front of a desk, you're not really doing anything, we could potentially reasonably go low carbohydrate if we wanted to. We don't really have a need for that quick source of energy if we're not working out or doing something physically active. Right? So as long as our calories are controlled for and we're getting enough protein, that's the first thing we need to check, this is more fluid, largely preferential. So it can change a little bit, right? There are times where I go out to eat and I've, similar to you, I've, I know I'm going to stay within my calories or I'm trying to. I've hit my protein for the day, so I'm just like, well, you know what? Whatever happens, that dinner happens. Right? It might be high carb if it's pizza. It might be low or high fat if it's chips and dip, guacamole, queso. Right? So... That is the starting point that I generally recommend. Bonnie, yes? So if you try that for two weeks, and then you want to adjust it, where do you put the adjustment point? Do you have change Good question. I guess that there would be two follow-up questions I have for you. One is, what's the reason for changing it? If you're not losing weight. Okay, good question. So we're doing this, and we're not losing weight. Does anyone want to guess what I'm going to say? We want to double check that we're actually eating what we think we're eating. Because there's a lot of reasons why that's not true. Right? It could be true. We could be not losing for whatever reason. If we're not losing, though, it's because something is off about this. Now, it could be because maybe we're doing not enough carbohydrates. And because we're not getting enough quantity of food to feel satisfied, it's leading us to overeat. So that's possible. In that case, then we may want to up the carbohydrates so we have more food volume. 
right? More fruits and vegetables are a great way to do that. We're going to get a lot more food for a lot less calories so we can eat more within our goal. Okay, so that might influence adjusting this over this. On the flip side, maybe we just don't know how to turn it off and we're eating too many carbohydrates because once we start, maybe you're like me, doesn't matter how big the serving size is, every serving is one. Right? In that case, maybe then we want to go higher fat, lower carbohydrate to not put that risk to us of going overboard while we work on, of course, being able to manage our, our eating habits and, and our self-control. But that might be an example where we go high fat and low carb, right? So it's really dictated on the circumstances and the context. But all, whatever decision we make is going to be an effort because this is out of whack. If we are hitting our goal and that goal is correct, because remember, we got to guess, test, and reassess our calorie goal. So to answer your question a bit further, Bonnie, if we're finding that we're not losing and we're worried and we're thinking about changing something about this and we know that we're eating this, the first thing I would do is change this especially if we're satisfied with this. Change that first. If we start to see movement again, we can leave this alone. Okay? So that's where the flexibility is built in. Right? Everything we do up here is just to make this easier. It's really all it is. Right? So we have to figure out what's best for us in particular. Any questions on that at all? How are we feeling? We feeling good? Learning some things? Having a good time? Talking food quality now. This is where we talk about the healthfulness of foods, right? Because how we actually feel is important. If we don't feel good, never matters. Right? So, what does that mean? Louise alluded to this earlier with the protein supplements, overdoing the protein supplements. We want to try to get good whole foods, right? Fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, the whole shtick you guys are used to, right? All that stuff is great. There's a lot of individuality to this too, though. So we have to guess, test, and reassess, right? So here's a good example. Again, to use my dancers as an example, we, we really focus on their pre-competition meal. What are they going to eat before they step out on the floor to compete against their peers? It's some, usually a good source of protein and carbohydrates, pretty low fat, right? But one person might love oatmeal. That might be their jam. It sits light in their stomach. They don't feel it sloshing around. They have good sustained energy. They feel great on it. For other people, that's not the case. Maybe the higher fiber content messes with them a little bit. It doesn't really feel as good. So for them, they might do something like rice instead. Carbohydrate-wise and calorie-wise, they may look identical, rice versus oatmeal, for the same amount. But it feels different. Right? So when we're talking about food quality, yes, we're talking about whole foods versus processed foods, right? Minimizing the processed foods. But we're doing that in the context of because we feel better when we do some things over others. So this is the one part of all of this where it's really a lot of testing for yourself what the best choice is for you. I'm going to admit something to you guys. My favorite pre-workout meal is a pint of ice cream. <laughs> and the reason I like ice cream is because it sits light in my stomach. I don't feel overly full. I don't have a dairy issue, so I don't have to worry about that. It's 
good source of quick energy for my workout. I feel great when I'm on it. Right? And as long as I can control my calories, then it's okay. I don't do it all the time though, trust me. But it's still my favorite. But how we feel is important. And it may not always be what we think, right? I know some people, if we just load up on leafy greens, but we're not used to eating that much fiber at one time, we're going to feel terrible for at least three hours. Okay? So in that case, then what on paper looks super healthy is not always the best choice. Okay? Now, we obviously, we were talking about micronutrients and, and vitamins and minerals, and we want to get all those things. Those things are important for our health. Right, especially if we're not taking any sort of daily multivitamin. But it's not always what it appears, right? Because how we feel is important. So that's what the main thing when it comes to food quality is now we're getting a little bit more nuanced. We know our calories are controlled. We have a distribution of macronutrients that we feel like we have enough energy and we're not hungry all the time. Now, do we actually feel good? Do we feel energetic? Do we feel light on our feet? Now, in, in our program, what we like to give people is we like to use, we give some people recommendations on good, better, best, right? We like to use a yellow, green, red system, stoplight, right? Green foods, eat more of those. Yellow foods, you know, every now and again, not terrible, right? Red foods, maybe save those for special occasions. Ice cream should probably fit in that red food category, but... Noom does something similar. Yeah, a lot of the nutrition companies now use it. Because again, it eliminates this good versus bad. That's the big thing. We don't want to have a good versus bad conversation because it's not a good versus bad conversation, like a question. Okay? It's a useful or not useful question. Is this food useful towards what I'm trying to achieve? Does it help me achieve what I'm trying to achieve? Or does it not? And so the green, yellow, red takes away that question of good and bad so we don't feel bad when we're eating certain things. Because how we think about this also plays a huge role. If our mindset is wrecked as a result of feeling like we're failing at this, well, we're going to fail at it. It's not going to work. Right? And then we get into that crazy endless cycle of we're trying to maintain our eating to see the results that we want. We get frustrated we're not perfect, so we start eating more because it makes us feel good. Let's get just even further away from doing this. And then that cycle just continues. Ad infinitum. Okay. Um, now, we're at this very tippy top. Meal timing. Meal timing. Remember I said earlier on, this is not only when during the day we're eating, but also the frequency with which we're eating. Can I interrupt for a second? Um, before you move on to the meal timing, I have a question about the Hit me. so many options that some of the items get confused as to is it worth paying as much more money to get it from Whole Foods or yeah. Joe's? Or Good question. Like the, the, the 
proteins with the hormones in it or yeah. the or the hormone right. fever or the grass-fed whatever so the main thing I would say about this is again barring any medical condition that might make this more obvious maybe it's not agreeable with us those sort of non grass-fed protein sources if we are controlling our weight and we're staying active and we're not being a glutton for process I mean not process but high calorie highly indulgent we're not overeating all of the time that grass-fed versus not grass-fed is largely an irrelevant question right just like keto low carb is going to be the key to losing weight does it play a part perhaps but is it such a big part that we have to put undue stress on it probably not so if you can afford it and you like it no harm in getting the grass-fed stuff, right? I know there's a, a lot of people say there's a flavor difference. It tastes different, right? So if we want to be a little bougie from time to time, why not? Enjoy it. But if, if grass-fed versus not grass-fed or other similar comparisons in protein is causing us so much stress, we're stressed about how much extra it costs, we're stressed about having to go to the special grocery store to get it, we're stressed about how little we get for how much we pay, I would say don't worry about it. Just make sure you're getting your protein. Make sure you feel good. Controlling our calories. You'll be just fine. Okay? Does that answer your question? Yeah. Cool. All right, I know I'm running late because I'm a talker, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hustle a little bit. Meal timing. All right, meal timing. So a couple of considerations with some of these macronutrients when it comes to meal timing. The big thing with meal timing is meal timing is just a tool used, with the exception of a couple of circumstances, to control our calories. I think we got that by now, right? But when it comes to the macronutrients, is there something to be said about how we time them? In two ways in particular. Protein. I recommend that we try to eat protein consistently throughout the day. Easiest way I like to think about that, anytime you eat food, ask yourself, where's the protein coming from? Why? Because protein's hard to get. It's also, if you've ever sat down at night and had to eat 16 ounces of chicken to get your protein going, <laughs> you know how good it is to spread it out. Good question. So that's the next part. So protein consistently throughout the day. Is it important to get protein before and after a workout? The answer is yes. But what's more important is that we hit our total protein goal by the end of the day. Okay? So will getting a good amount of protein right before and right after support better muscle growth and better workouts? Yes. There will be a little bit of margin of more benefit from doing that. But again, as long as we get the total by the day's end, most of the benefit will be had. So if we want to optimize for that, Right? So now calories are easy. We're nailing our protein every day. Our carbs and fats are in a good spot. We have good energy. We feel good. Food quality is we feel energetic. We feel, uh, you know, we're not feeling lethargic. Now, if we want to optimize for meal timing, yes, now we want to try to get protein before and after our workouts. Right? But if we're struggling with any of this, we don't have to worry about that. We can just focus on getting our total for the day and we'll still get most of the benefit. Yeah. Which means I'd have to get up a half an hour earlier to eat. 
Yes. So the question was, uh, is it recommended to eat frequent meals every couple of hours throughout the day? The main question of that is, if it works for you, absolutely. Right? So I, you know, we talked about intermittent fasting earlier. I personally love big meals. You know, they just feel good. So sometimes I will strategically, if I know I'm working out later in the day and I don't have anything going on in the day, I might fast in the morning and not really eat too much, just focus on work, a little bit of coffee, be good. And then I know, especially if I'm going to go out with friends, for example, I'm going to have a bigger meal, I'm going to have most of my calories then, right? So it can go either way. It largely depends on what works best for you. If frequent meals, getting frequent protein throughout the day keeps you full, keeps you satisfied, keeps you from having to think about it, works for your schedule, for your lifestyle, absolutely, it's perfect. But if that causes us stress, we got little kids running around we got to chase after, right? We got work events that keep us from meeting to meeting or location to location. We're driving all around town and eating those every two hours is more stress Then we can eat less meals throughout the day. That's totally okay too, as long as our calories are controlled. Also a good question. I would say the only thing I would suggest with regard to late night eating, the only thing is whether or not you get indigestion afterwards. If the answer is yes, you may want to stop a little earlier, right? So you don't feel uncomfortable when you wake up. But other than that, the time you eat throughout the day, for the most part, does not matter. Now, the one time this does kind of matter, the timing is with the carbohydrates. Again, if we want to optimize, very similar to the protein pre and post workout, having a carbohydrate source pre and post workout can have some benefit. This is what I do with my dancers before they compete. We get them a good carb source. That's going to be the energy that they're going to be able to utilize during that workout. So they feel energetic. The carbs afterwards with a little bit of protein is going to help with recovery, replenish some of those energy stores. Okay, so protein, if we can spread it throughout the day, perfect. If not, as long as we get the total, we're cool too. But if we want to optimize, spread it throughout the day, it will make life easier. Carbs, pre and post workout as more of the focus, right? So if we're going to work out in the morning, for example, maybe our first meal when we wake up, heavier on the carbs. The meal right after, late morning snack, lunch, whatever, heavier on the carbs. Maybe dinner's a little lighter on the carbs. Okay, to make sure that our calories are controlled. But again, only if we want to optimize. If we don't really, if we feel good in the gym, we don't have any specific goals we're trying to achieve, we're not trying to get to any advanced level, the timing of that doesn't really matter. As long as we're focusing on these other things. Okay? Now with fats, it doesn't really matter when you eat the fats. Just whenever. There's no benefit to certain times. Okay? Just make sure we don't overeat any of it. Okay. Questions on any of that? Let me make sure I got everything. Uh, I have a question. So, for let's say someone who's trying to gain weight, um, slash muscle, um, what would you say as far as trying to eat at a regular time so that your body gets used to eating at that time and it's easier to like okay, it's 10 a.m. My food's already, my wife's already asking me to eat. Um, I've heard different opinions about it. Yeah. So you raise a good point. So what Louise is talking about is, especially if you're trying to gain weight, that's the context we're talking here. 
is it beneficial to have set times throughout the day when you eat to sort of train your body to be hungry at those times? Which there is something to be said for that, right? When we get into a routine of something, that's what we know what to expect. This is why we have a bedtime for kids. This is why we have certain things scheduled throughout our day to keep us expecting certain things. So it's true with our meals too. If we get into a routine of eating at the same time every day, people tend to find that they start to get hungry at those times. Okay? So if we're trying to gain weight and we're struggling to eat enough because our meals are just all over the place and now we're trying to, you know, say we're trying to eat 3,500 calories and we get to 7 p.m. and we have 2,000 calories left because we've been busy all morning, it's going to be a rough time, right? So in that case, yes, it probably is beneficial not only to spread it out, but to have just a little bit more regimentation so that you can get that benefit of feeling hungrier. We're kind of revving up the appetite a little bit. Okay. Like what, how do you set your calorie goal? We got all the ratios, but what, what's the number, you know? Good question. So I kind of alluded to it earlier. And so there's a calc, what we tend to use is we tend to use equations that they've established to help us figure out, given our body weight, given our height, our age, our activity level, what's a good place to start. Now remember, it's all, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's a guess. We put that number in, we get our best guess, and then the important thing thereafter is to test it. Are we eating this amount, if yes, are we seeing the loss or the gain that we want? If yes, cool. If not, we have to change it. Now, how to determine that goal. So I have a link, and I'll just go ahead and write it on here. I will send it to everyone with a calculator that you can use to determine your own goal. 18fit.com slash daily dash calorie dash goal. If you plug that in, it will give you a calculator where you can put your information in, and it will give you your specific calorie goal. And then that number you can use to then test. Okay? And it will probably need to be adjusted a little bit because it's a dynamic number. But other than that, this is the food freedom framework. We focus on the calories first. We take it one step at a time. If we have not mastered our calories, we can ignore everything else because it will not matter unless we master this. We master our calories, we focus on our protein. Does that become easier? Are we in a good rhythm? Fantastic. Let's look at the carbs and fats based on our activity levels, based on our goals. That's cool. We go up to food quality, and then lastly, we can think about meal timing. But again, if life gets busy, or this is just more work than we feel like doing, we can revert back down here. These two steps will make up the most of your success. So when in doubt, revert down to that. So for example, when I travel, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I've been all over the place lately, right? <laughs> this is how I do it. This is the only two things I think about makes life a little easy. If I hit these two things, I don't have to worry about anything else. That's what I got for you today. Thank you guys for coming out. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. If you feel inspired by this story, please share it with a friend. If you'd like to book a free discovery call to talk with an A-Team coach, head to the episode description or visit us at ateamfit.com.
That's A-T-E-A-M-F-I-T.com. We'll see you again soon.